sportsmanship, confidence building, positive attitude, learning from failure, and success. You'll find it all here. This is Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Welcome to the exclusive digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. You can hear this and all our other podcasts at winnersunlimited.com. You'll be finding on this show information to help you become a better parent, coach, and athlete. With 36 years of experience, I've worked with athletes at all levels of competition, from youth sports to the high school, collegiate, Olympic, and professional level. We talk on this show about success. We talk about failure. We talk about winning and losing. Today, I'll be talking with University of Florida men's assistant tennis coach, Scott Perelman. I've known Scott for over 30 years. He's been a tennis coach with tremendous success. He's coached at a number of schools at the Division I level. He's coached professional athletes as well. And we're going to talk about parenting. We're going to talk about success and failure for collegiate athletes, how they get to that level. I always have talked for years on the radio show I've hosted in Kansas City for 26 years about the importance of learning to win and learning to lose, to learn to deal with adversity. I talk about how important preparation, focus, attitude, and confidence are. All these factors play a role in whether you can succeed or fail in sports as well as life. And today we'll be talking with Scott about these issues. And there are things that I talk about as well on my weekly radio show in Kansas City, on this podcast show that we do every week. And you can find this information out on my website. If you go to winnersandlimited.com, there's a wealth of information there that you can learn from and share. We talk about adversity. We talk about success and failure. But we talk about what it takes to accomplish your goals. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. And this is the exclusive digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. And now we're joined by Scott Perelman. He's the assistant volunteer tennis coach at the University of Florida with the men's tennis team. I've known Scott for over 30 years. He has a wealth of experience coaching athletes at all levels, specifically at the collegiate level, as well as at the professional level, and with young athletes. And I thought it'd be a great interview to have him on today and talk about coaching athletes Talk about the mindsets of athletes and what they go through. I mean, he's been a head coach with a major college tennis program. He's had the experience of working with so many athletes at so many levels. And I thought it would be a great interview today to have Scott talk, talk about what the mindsets of athletes are who make it to the collegiate level. Because I always like to say this, college athletes are survivors. In today's world of youth sports and high school sports, there are so many pressures and demands placed on young athletes. The ones that make it to the collegiate level have survived crazy parents, wacky coaches, traveling schedules, lots of pressures, and they, they've been able to get to the top because of, of their mindsets and their ability to deal with pressure. So we're going to talk with Scott about this today. He, as I said earlier, has a wealth of experience dealing with athletes at all levels. So first of all, Scott, thanks for joining me this morning. Yeah, Andy, it's great to be with you. And, uh, you know, you said you and I have known each other a long time, but we reconnected a couple weeks ago after a long period of not being in touch and the it's great to be uh, back with you. Well, I have tremendous respect for you. I spent time with you at the University of Kansas back in the 1980s when you took over the tennis program, and you, you had tremendous success with that. We worked with a lot of players together, and I loved your coaching style. You are a positive, upbeat type of guy. You're a straightforward guy, and I think that's why the athletes really worked well with you because you were honest with them. And I think today, you know, in today's world of sports, Athletes are given so many different messages by so many different people. Let's start from your perspective with the mental side, Scott. I mean, what's your opinion 
about how important psychology is, the mental side of sports is with athletes? Well, it's very, very important. You know, it may well be the most important part of it. I mean, you give it, <clears throat> if you're given two athletes of similar abilities, one that's going to become more successful and i.e. win most of the time, it's going to be the one that's, you know, mentally better prepared, mentally more focused, mentally more disciplined. Um, so I, I think the, the mental side of sport is, is huge. What are the problems that athletes have today psychologically, you think, when it comes, let's start with parents, okay? As a tennis coach at the collegiate level, you're dealing with, with young men, specifically the, on the men's teams, who have dealt with so many adverse situations probably growing up when it was coming to competitors or parents or pressures or a lot of things that go on. I, I know. I, I grew up playing tennis. That was my sport. You've played it your whole life. What do you see the collegiate athletes who survive as being able to do as far as dealing with pressures and, and the expectations placed on them along the way? Well, most of the kids that survive, as you say, and, and, and then thrive, at this level, are really have a passion for the sport. Um, they love to play. They love to compete. Uh, the kids that are really the uh, the best of the best are probably the best competitors. And most of the time, you find those guys like to compete when they play cards. They, you know, run down the street and they want to race. Uh, they flip a coin. They 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 want to bet. Uh, they just have it in their DNA. Um, but at the collegiate level now, it it's really offers an opportunity for the student-athlete to kind of grow up and get away from their parents and, you know, learn to be more self-sufficient and uh, also, you know, take responsibility more for themselves. I think that's a great point. And, and you talked about parents. Okay. Um, what do you see with parents as being the positives and negatives when a college athlete makes it to that level. When they make it to the collegiate level, you know, I mean, let's face it, your parents are your support system. They, they financially have guided, have given you guidance, uh, psychologically given you guidance, emotionally, spiritually, however you want to look at it. They've been your support system. And then you get to the collegiate level, you're really, you're, you're really going out on your own. And so what are the, the, the pros and cons you see with parents with college athletes? Well, it's, it's somewhat all over the map. I mean, just like society is in a lot of other ways. Um, you know, you have some parents that I think really get it. And, you know, not only have they been supportive from all, in all the ways that you just mentioned, but, you know, I always like to say that, you know, in the end, mom needs to be mom, dad needs to be dad, and let the coach be the coach. And we all have a role to play. In, in surrounding a student-athlete or an elite athlete as far as being their support system is concerned. And <clears throat> issues start to arise when, you know, parents want to be the coach or the coach wants to be the parent, and you start to cross lines as to what one's responsibilities are as far as the athlete is, is concerned. So the, the ones that, <clears throat> that I find and you know, we often talk as a coaching staff that a lot of uh, character issues uh, uh, have come about o over, you know, one's parenting. And I, having been a parent, you having been a parent, we all try to do the best we possibly can with the, the gifts that we're given. 
but, you know, sometimes we fall short in certain areas. And, you know, as our kids get to be 18, 19, 20, those things start to become a little bit more apparent. So one of the big responsibilities of a coach at a collegiate level, in my opinion, is to take boys and turn them into men. And that has a lot of, takes a lot of time outside of just being on the court. But, you know, through being on the court, spending enormous amounts of time together, you're able to build up respect and trust where uh, a young boy, a boy, you know, wants to grow up and be a man, will listen to you, and you have, you know, you have an opportunity to play a very pivotal uh, part in their lives. I want to remind you that we're listening to the exclusive digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and you can listen to this interview with uh, Scott Perelman, assistant men's tennis coach at the University of Florida, as well as other interviews and calls that I've had on winnersunlimited.com. You know, Scott, dealing with parents, okay, it, let's face it, you, as you mentioned earlier, you're a parent, I'm a parent, and you, you want to do the best for your child, obviously, along the way, but at some point you have to loosen the rein and let them go out and fall down and let them pick themselves up and not pick them up all the time. And sp- youth sports today has turned into this gigantic business where we're seeing competitions starting at younger and younger ages, we're seeing athletes, in my opinion, burning out at younger and younger ages because they're playing one sport all the time. They get tired of it. Uh, they're forced to play in all these leagues and competitions at young ages. Tennis over the years has, has had an up-and-down scenario with, with rankings. I know for a long time kids were ranked at young ages. Then they eliminated rankings, and now they're back. What age do you think kids should really be ranked, and when does winning and losing in the sport of tennis really become an issue, and, and how do you coach a child to deal with that and then deal with the parents with that as well? Yeah, well, yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I was really fortunate uh, last summer to have dinner with Mats Wielander, who was, I think, a seven-time Grand Slam champion from Sweden, and I, you know, I was chastised by my wife after the dinner because there was eight or ten people there I didn't stop talking to Mox the whole time, but I was asking him question after question, and one of the questions I asked him is, why has the rest of the world kind of caught up and passed, especially on the men's side, uh, you know, as far as tennis today is concerned? And he was very specific in that he said, as Americans, we are absolutely obsessed with winning and being number one. And that in the younger age divisions, the 8 and under, 10 and under, 12 and under, 14 and under, that all the American kids, parents, coaches are concerned about is who's number one. Who's number one in the Westerns? Who's number one in the Missouri Valley? Who's number one in in Florida? Who's number one in in Texas? And that other countries have spent much more time worrying about the development of a player not only mentally and physically, but just learning the entire course, learning to volley, learning to do other things that may have absolutely nothing to do with winning or losing, actually even cause them to lose more at the younger ages. But as they get into the 16s and 18s, then they really start to take off. So I think as a parent, uh, you've got to try to see the big picture rather than the small picture of what's right in front of us, 
And in all honesty, I think, you know, obviously a kid has to win a reasonable amount <clears throat> to learn to be a winner. But I also think that when someone suffers a setback or a loss, it's some of the best opportunity to learn and grow and move forward. You know, you're hitting on something that's very, very sensitive to me because I've talked about this for years. I've been on the radio in Kansas City for 26 years now and been in practice for 36 years as a sports psychologist, as you know, having spent time working with you at the University of Kansas years ago. And I feel we spend way too much time in this country on results. Uh, you know, we, we, we are obsessed with, did you come in first place? Why did you lose? What's wrong with you? And in the, the book I just co-authored uh, this past year with uh, former Royals all-star pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Olympic Hall of Fame swim coach Pete Malone, called Just Let Him Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes Through Youth Sports. Our third chapter is called Embracing Failure Can Lead to Fun. And I feel we do not teach kids today how to lose. We don't teach kids how to fail very well. I know growing up, my friends and I would go up to the grade school up the street and play baseball and football. We played basketball on my driveway, and we played for hours. We didn't have parents coaching us. We weren't being ridiculed or criticized or or told why we did this wrong or why we did that wrong we just played and we'd finish a game and then we play the next game if we lost the game it didn't matter if we won the game it didn't matter we just kept playing but today there's this obsession with you've got to win to get better you've got to win to get a scholarship you've got to come in first place because that's going to help you do this down the road you're a collegiate coach you've been a collegiate tennis coach for over 30 years what are the keys that allow these kids to make it that far from your perspective well, you know, when I was at Kansas back in the 80s, um, we had squad, tennis squad, men's tennis teams that had like 22 to 26 guys on the team, which is absolutely unheard of nowadays. Everybody's squad size is between basically 8 and 12. Nobody carries more than 12 people. But And why, why, why is that, Scott? Why is that? Well, some of that is just the whole Title IX and, and, and trying to, you know, uh, match up the number of female athletes to male athletes. So you just, the days of unlimited squads have disappeared in probably the last 10 to 20 years. So um, it, it, it's just, it's tough to get a spot, especially like on a men or women's collegiate tennis team. There just aren't that many of them to start, to start with. But the point I was making is I probably kept guys, you know, 11 to 26, hoping that we would get one or two people one or two athletes out of that group that would rise to the top, the cream rising to the top, more of that, that theory. And what I found that the kids that actually did flourish under those circumstances, they have big hearts, <laughs> huge passion, and a drive that's usually off the charts along with a work, work ethic that's off the charts. And what about so, their parents? What, what were their parents like, those athletes? What, did they have parents who were supportive and encouraging and reinforcing and weren't obsessed with results? Absolutely. Almost to a T. And so the parents... And the those, those were the parents that you didn't hear from much, and when you did, it was just in a totally supportive way as, you know, how, how much my, my son is enjoying playing for you for, with the team, you know, your encouragement how he, he's developed as a human being, how he's, you know, much more outgoing and, and at ease under pressure than, than he used to be. And, and so it, it can become a very fun process. What would you encourage parents today 
to do with their kids from a supportive perspective if they have a young athlete? And, and since you coach tennis, we'll, we'll focus on that. What would you say to p- young parents today as far as getting them involved in the sport, getting them to be successful at it, and, and to move on up the ranks? Win or lose, I love you. You're always welcome at home. The only thing I ask and that your mother asks is that you give your best effort each and every time you go out there. And just remember, you're not only representing yourself, you're representing us and, and, and our family. And so we would like you to do it in a first-class manner. I think that's tremendous advice. I'm talking to assistant men's tennis coach at the University of Florida, Scott Perelman. He's a young man who has coached for over 30 years. And you're listening to the exclusive digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and you can listen to more great interviews, calls, and discussions on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. Scott, you've, you've been in the tennis profession for years. You've coached all kinds of great athletes. You've coached professional tennis players as well. How do you coach an athlete to overcome losing? What do you tell them? How do you get them to understand it? And what is the time in their life as an athlete, when they should really learn about that? Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's a very good question. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 62 years old this year, and I would say I'm still learning little lessons along the way about how to accept losing and deal with it in a mature and positive way. So that's not an easy thing. I mean, when I was growing up, you know, you someone would say, Show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. <laughs> and, and so I, re- I remember that very vividly. Many people saying that growing up, we're the same age, and that was very prominent in the '70s and '80s, where people would say that. Yeah. So now, I, I think one of the things, especially like in professional tennis, that uh, you'll come to understand. I mean, you look at probably the guys outside of top twenty or thirty, thirty-five for sure in the men's ATP rankings, and these guys have losing records. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're not, you know, 50 and, and 15. They're, they're more like uh, 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 23 and 25 or 23 and 27. So, you know, especially in tennis again, I mean, there's only one winner each week in each tournament. That, that's it. So I think part of it is you have to accept the outcome, you have to you have to challenge yourself as to did you do your best? Did you put it all out there? Did you lay it all on, on the line? And then thirdly, let's evaluate what happened and come away with a positive action plan. You know what could you have done better? What would it, you know as the coach? What would I suggest to you the next time you find yourself in a similar situation? Maybe to try to, to either mentally or physically behave in a little different manner. Uh, some of it can be strategy. Some of it can be we could have prepared better. Some of it can be strength and conditioning oriented. But I think, uh, like I said earlier, through losses, through setbacks, it, it allows an opportunity for us to grow. Now, you as a student athlete, how do you handle it? I mean, the great competitors never take losing easily. I mean, when you see an uh, epic match between Federer and Nadal at a Grand Slam where one of them loses late in the fifth set, I mean, they'll, they'll readily admit to you months, years later, I mean, it took them days, weeks, 
maybe even months, maybe even years to get over it in certain ways. But, like I said, you got to take the positive. You got to try to learn from the whole thing, and then and then move forward. And the great news is, as in tennis, as other sports, you can turn around the next day and get another opportunity to play. Can we do better tomorrow than we did today? And I, I think if you're doing that, then you're not only moving forward as an athlete, you're moving forward as a human being. Well, you're bringing up a great point, and, and the th- thing is this. As a sports psychologist with 36 years of experience, I've had to help athletes overcome negativity and failure. We all fail, and we all lose. We all screw up. Whether it's in sports, in life, in relationships, in business, doesn't matter. You're going to fail. Things aren't always going to work out for you. So it's so important to understand how to deal with that. You said some of these guys, it takes them for a long, long time to get over that. But they have to get over it because they have to, you know, there's, there's another tournament the next week and you've got to move on. So I always tell an athlete when they've lost a very close match or a close, close game and they, or they haven't succeeded in the way they wanted to ask themselves, what did I do and what didn't I do in that, in that competition that, that resulted in that result? You know, were there things I can improve on? How do I learn from that? How do I grow from that? No, you know, we started our conversation off by talking about your your discussion at dinner with Matt Felander, one of the great tennis players from Europe, and emphasizing that in this country we spend so much time on results. I think it's important to focus on the process. And yes, we want to win. You know, but I, I, very few people go to an athletic event saying I want to lose. Most people want to succeed and do well. But the fact of the matter is. One team or one person is going to come out on top and, and everybody else isn't. But the question is, what do you learn from that? How do you grow from that? How do you gain experience and knowledge in your life? And I think that's the key thing that I try to focus with people on. And as we wrap up our interview today, Scott, I want you to share just a, a quick story of someone you've worked with over the years who is able to overcome adversity and learn from that and grow from that. Something you saw as a coach that, that really interested you and in, in following that person as they moved on in their career? Well, uh, a couple of things, Andy. One is uh, when I address our, our, our team now, our student-athletes, you know, one of the things I try to say on a regular occasion is success is getting up one more time than you've been knocked down. And I don't care who you are, but it's like you say, in life you're going to get knocked down, there are going to be failures, and, you know, as a man, as a woman, as a student athlete, as a human being, you cannot put a price on how important it is to get back up off the mat, pop your chest out, out and, move, and move forward. That's one thing. To answer your question about uh, uh, an athlete that I worked with that, that dealt with adversity and you, and you saw major results from it, uh, on the professional tour, I worked with and coached Chris Woodruff, who was the NCAA champion in 1993 uh, from Tennessee. And back then, the, the lower-level professional tennis was called Satellite. And you had to play for four weeks in a row. Actually, you had to play the first three weeks, and then the top players from the first three weeks moved into the Masters the fourth week, and that's where you got your APP points. So we were over in France, and uh, he had entered a, a satellite to play for the first three weeks to see if he, how many points he accumulated to try to get into the Masters. He lost first round and first round the first two weeks and wanted to come home. was absolutely adamant 
that we were leaving, packing our stuff up. We're getting out of there. He could not do any good there. He was tired of being in Europe, on and on and on. So I spoke to his parents, and basically his dad said, hey, it's, it's your call. You're the coach. You're running the show. And, you know, my thought was I'd never quit on anything in my life uh, up to that point. And, you know, I wasn't about ready to quit. We had made a decision to play in the satellite tournament, and we needed to follow through on it. It didn't make any difference what happened that, that third week. It was more of a lesson that, you know, we started something, we're going to finish it. And, again, when you and I grew up, that was a big thing we heard from our parents. <laughs> if you start something, you're, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna finish it. To make a long story short, he won the third week, won the Masters, and Paul vaulted his ranking into the top 150 and never turned around from there, ended up getting his highest, I think, 27 or 29 in the world and had a very successful career. But you literally can look back to that one trip, that one situation in France, <laughs> uh, out there in the middle of nowhere, and see how that flipped the switch and you know helped propel him to uh, being one of the top players in the, in the world. So, uh, again, it's, it was over losses. <laughs> it was over philo- philosophy. It was over trying to do the right thing. And, you know, in this case, it worked out in a positive way. I want to remind you, you're listening to the digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We've been talking with Scott Perelman, the assistant men's tennis coach at the University of Florida, a man with over 30 years of experience coaching tennis players at the collegiate level, as well as young players as well. Scott, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Great advice for our listeners. Thanks for joining us. So that wraps it up for this digital edition of Sports Psychology Today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Remember, you can hear more great interviews, calls, and discussions at winnersunlimited.com. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Sports Psychology Today with Dr. Andrew Jacobs, Digital Edition. Find out more at winnersunlimited.com.